0: Continuing from last week's sermon, we had Jesus' hour of glory, where he was betrayed and arrested. This morning, we will look at Jesus' hour of glory, crucifixion, which is the title of this sermon. Jesus' hour of glory, crucifixion. We will look at one of the most terrible sections of the Bible today, in a sense. We will look at the narrative of the day that our Lord died. But already now, before we begin, we know and we must have in mind that in the next chapter to come, he did rise from the dead. The resurrection, which we will see at, look at next Lord's Day probably. So see in this text what Jesus did for sinners and rejoice over that death could not hold him. In narratives like this, it's tempting to look at all the four narratives combined into one, and see what all of them say about one narrative or piece of history. And that is a beneficial thing to do. It's it's proper, it's good. But today we will, as we have done now, continue in John and see his point of view. Uh, as he wrote, and as the melodic line in the back of the bulletin, I would remind you, it says that, The Gospel of John is a manifestation of the glory of Christ through many signs and witnesses, so that you may believe in him and have life in his name. Today we will look at this story unfolding of the crucifixion, and in it we will see how he is glorified. So we will look at this thing in three parts. We will look at how Jesus is glorified in humiliation by human authorities. We will look at how Jesus is glorified in giving his life as a sacrifice. And we will look at Jesus, how he is glorified by his witness. But first, Jesus is glorified in humiliation by human authorities. The text is, uh, the chapter is pretty long, so I will not necessarily reread all of it but uh, i'll summarize some parts and uh, we'll read all of some other parts so in the first part of the text we see jesus with pilate Don't you close the door. we see him as the soldiers twist together a crown of thorns and puts it on him along with this purple robe the soldiers mockingly call him the king of the jews This, even though Pilate will go out to the Jews and say that he finds no fault in him, that he finds him to be innocent. And uh, he shows our Lord arrayed in this thorny crown and with this kingly robe. And uh, the Jews, upon seeing it, they are enraged and call for his crucifixion. And Pilate says, you do it yourself. That this is nothing of mine. In another gospel he washes his hands from it he says you do what you will and the jews said that they have a law that there they are required to to kill blasphemers but uh, they have no authority under roman government to put anyone to death so they need him to do it and uh, they say this because jesus said himself to be the son of god And Pilate gets afraid and he almost begs Jesus to speak up for his defense because Pilate has the authority to release him, either to death or to life. But Jesus then says that you have no authority over me whatsoever unless it has been given you from above. So Pilate here wanted to release Jesus, but the Jews threatened him to report him to Caesar because they said that everyone who makes himself a king makes himself an enemy of Caesar. And if you do not stop this, then you also are an enemy of Caesar. Then Pilate, he relents. He gives over Jesus to the Jews to be crucified. And in this text, this part of the section, we will now see how is Jesus glorified in this. How could he? The the context of our text, as we saw in the previous chapter, is that Pilate has already announced him innocent, but he then goes on in the beginning of this text to give him this gruesome punishment. He, He flogs him with his Roman whip, which was a handle with many leather straps and attached to them pieces of bone or metal. It was an instrument designed to inflict as much harm as they could, and not go into any details. But this process was meant to injure, either just as a punishment in itself, or to make the victim ready for crucifixion to hasten the death, because they would be severely injured, and some people even died from that alone, it being such a gruesome torture and way of punishment. But the humiliation of Jesus does not stop there because in this injured state, some soldiers twist together this crown of thorns, some thorny bush with long spikes, and they would put this on Jesus' head. And as we see from the rest of the text, I do not get the sense that they were gentle about it at all. They put it on him and they arrayed him in this purple robe, purple being the colour of royalty or power. It was a very expensive colour to make purple, and they arrayed this on him. They hit him, they spat on him, and they hailed him as king of the Jews. You can you can taste you can you can feel like the sarcasm in their words. They did not hail him at all. They humiliated him this anti-king appeal they dressed him up as this king but he did not look kingly at all and they and Pilate then said that I'm bringing you out to you, him out to you so that you may see that I have thoroughly um, judged him and I have punished him already this must surely be enough and he he says that I'm bringing out him out to you that you may know that I fa- find no guilt in him but why then does he punish him like this like he he tortures him while still saying that he finds him innocent something's missing and uh, the text doesn't give it to to us here but Jesus is then he's then given to the crowd to, for them to see and uh, when the chief priests and the officers see him they they cry out saying crucify him crucify him there's you have there must be such a special place kind of hate for someone to look upon someone coming out injured in the way that our lord and savior was and then go ahead and say no this is not enough we want we want him dead charles Burton once has said that many a crown has been secured by blood and so is this but it is his own blood many throne has been established by suffering and so is hit is this but he himself bears the pain Pilate says, behold the man as he comes out and look the thorough punishment I have put him through. This must be enough, right? Maybe even it was his attempt of mocking the Jews to say that this is your king. Look how I've treated him. Look how poor he is. Look how weak he is. But whatever Pilate had in mind while doing this it did, not give the, the, it did not give him the results he wanted or he was looking for, maybe. They said, crucify him, crucify him. And he says, you take him and crucify him because I find no fault in him. But they said that not because he, he's made himself a king do we want him to be crucified, but because he has made himself to be the son of God. He has blasphemed and called himself the son of God, that God himself is his Father. And this made Pilate more afraid. Romans being a very religious people, he Pilate must have seen this figure, and they say that he calls himself the Son of Man, the Son of God. And Pilate must have looked at him in this state, and maybe looking for something more than just a man. And he takes him aside and asks, Where do you come from? Like there must have been something I clicked in his mind like this is something else. But he he then says that you must speak to me because Jesus doesn't say anything. In the previous chapter, Jesus has already said that I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. My king is of another kingdom. My kingdom is of another world. So he had already responded to Pilate, and Pilate again asks, where do you come from? There must be something about this man who can withhold this kind of punishment, and yet he does not speak up. And Pilate says, you will not speak to me? And the, the way it's phrased is not just, you don't want to talk to me. It's, you don't want to talk to me? And he, he says, I have the authority to, to give you life or to crucify you, and you do not speak up for yourself, you, don't, you do not defend yourself. But Jesus does not speak up to defend himself. He does not beg for mercy. He does not not beg for life. If Pilate had said, "Life," then Jesus would have lived. One might think, but Jesus is silent. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth, as we read in Isaiah 53. And in our text, a few Sundays back in Revelation 5, we see this lamb, the same lamb, standing as if slain. And this is God's lamb, who holds all the power, true power. Even though Pilate here st- stands up and says, I have the power to, de- to determine your destiny. But Jesus says, no, 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 you don't. Unless it has been given to you from above, you have no authority over what happens to me or what I'm about to do. So Pilate then says to the, to the Jews, Behold your king, this, this must be enough. But they say, No, it's not enough. We want him to be crucified and they even appeal to Caesar. So the Jews, under Roman oppression and government, they, there must have been this uh, dislike. I don't think that the Jews very much liked the Romans, but here they go so far as to appeal to Caesar, their arch nemesis in a sense, to get this other Jew crucified and killed because of the claims that he makes. And Pilate being, he, he being married to the emperor's granddaughter, he was connected, and he had power because of this relationship. But he's, but the Jews they, they, um, they say to him that "If you do not do this, then you are no friend of Caesar. They maybe threaten him in a sense, that if you don't do this, then Caesar will come for you, because you do not stop this man who says that he is king." And you knew about it, so he takes his position of power he, he sets down and he sits down on this stone pavement, this elevated seat, about to proclaim judgment, final judgment he 's tried um, in the gospels combined there 's five different instances when he says he 's innocent he 's innocent he 's innocent five times this goes on, and three in John, but then he sits down on this judgment seat and he is giving his final judgment upon him saying behold your king and they cried out away with him away with him crucify him and he again says shall i crucify your king the chief chief priests answered we have no king but caesar again this strange thing for jews religious leaders to say that they knew they were well they believed and knew that they were the kingdom of God, but here they appeal to Caesar, their enemy. So Pilate delivered him over to them to be crucified. And this lamb, who's silent in front of Pilate and his accusers, remember all the way back to John chapter one, where he is portrayed. This lamb of God, John the Baptist says, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world it was the. Day, it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and Passover, if you're not too familiar with it, was the day of festivals when the Jews exited the, the Exodus of the Jews from Egypt, and on the night of the final plague that God sent over the Egyptians, was this arch angel who would come and wreak havoc, and Moses commanded them, take a spotless lamb and take his blood on doorframe and the lintels and you will be saved by the blood of the lamb but here this true lamb and his sacrifice will and has procured salvation for those that he has his blood has been applied to but they say behold your he says behold your king behold the lamb But they say, away with him. We don't want him. Crucify him. And if you've ever experienced cruelty or injustice, anything that makes you go, that's not fair. How can that happen? Look at the treatment that the thrice holy God received here in front of this humiliation before the human authorities. It was not the crown that the soldiers mockingly placed on our Savior's brow that would be his glory but his crown of glory that would be, relieved, be revealed when he was raised up because of his pureness and his sacrifice. He was crucified with the crown of thorns on his head. But as it says in Revelation, he is crowned with many diadems and he has all the power. So here we see the negative crown knowing that he would receive the ultimate crown of glory And how can this humiliated man be the Son of God? This would be Rome's taunts. But Revelation 5 answers, With a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Jesus is our Passover Lamb, and by having his blood spiritually applied to us, we will be spared and we can have our faith and trust in that Jesus will save us from from final death. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. My second point. Jesus is glorified in having given his life as a sacrifice. Jesus is glorified in having his life given, given his life as a sacrifice. So verse 16 in our text, and I'll read a bit. So they they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha, there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them the There was a Roman custom that the criminal was to be hanged was or crucified would have to carry his own cross up to the place where he would be punished, so wherever they crucified in the Roman Empire the the victim or the criminal would have to bear the cross from the place of judgment all the way to the place of crucifixion, and uh, whether that was the whole cross, many commentators say it's probably just the beam that he would eventually hang on, not the whole stake that was probably at the site. But uh, he would have to be he would have to carry his own cross, and it would be a procession where Romans would they would show their judgment and their power so that everybody would see that, okay, if you mess with Rome, this is what you get to deter people from breaking the, law, the laws. And one has said that before they put the man on the cross, they, pres- they put the cross on the man, forcing him to carry it in public procession, intended to draw attention to the condemned, his crime, and his fate no doubt as a warning to the onlookers. This Roman form of execution was was only or mostly used for the lowliest of people and for the worst of criminals. And this is how God had ordained from all the beginning of history that his son should die this gruesome way. And Rome, the Romans themselves stopped practicing it, a few years later, there's this um, Roman statesman called Cicero. He said about the crucifixion, It is a crime to bind a Roman citizen. To scourge him is an act of wickedness. To execute him is almost murder. What shall I say of crucifying him? An act so abominable that it's impossible to find any word adequately to express. So even Romans themselves looked upon crucifixion as a horrible thing to do to someone. Now, John does not give much detail or explanation to the crucifixion as it was fairly um, known to the people living there, their original hearers and readers, so they needed no further explanation of the process of it. I will not be casual or flippantly, but I will give a short general description without going to the gory details because it's important for us to know what happened to our Savior it was generally practiced that the victim victim would be crucified with arms outstretched. And whether it was by tying to the cross or with a nail, it was usually the feet were bound or nailed to the cross and so with the hands. And it was a very painful and very unnatural and very difficult, unnatural posture. And even if it was, was, was with only... Rope, they tied them, it would still be an excruciating form of execution. But he was fastened with nails to make it worse. Death could come from blood loss or from suffocation because it would be very difficult hanging to <gasps> even breathe. They would generally die from suffocation because when the arms are outstretched as they were, they would be hanging on their arms and me just doing this is hard it's hard to breathe and for them the victims of this would have to strain themselves upright just to breathe but for all the the physical gruesomeness and pain that was inflicted upon Jesus the greater suffering was the inward and spiritual greater so than the outward and physical suffering and i'm sorry for going into details but This is what God's word has for us. So when Jesus arrived at Golgotha, there were two others there to be crucified. Two, and probably also Barabbas, a criminal mentioned in the other Gospels, but Jesus took his place. One of the the two repented, but John is not highlighting it, so we will look at what John focuses on. And he focuses on what Pilate put on the cross, it says in read 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of Jews,' of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate said, no. I What I've written, I've written. It was because it was a custom to write upon the cross or on a plaque or like a poster almost that they hung around the head to say the name, the title of the one crucified and the crime that he had, that he had done. And in this way, Pilate said, this is the king of the Jews, and either it was for mocking, that's... Your king is dead, or to infuriate them, we we do we do not know, but he was vehemently that no, what I've written is what I've written, so it will stand. And uh, it was it re- was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek to make sure that everybody was able to read what it said. The Jews would not have it, but Jesus no, but Pilate said, it stays as it is. And after Jesus was crucified. The soldiers took the garments and divided up among them, and as verse says, verse twenty four says, This happened to fulfill what the scriptures said, as we read in the Old Testament reading of today, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. One commentary remarked that As the Son of God died for the sins of the world, men carelessly laughed and played games at his feet. This while his mother standing by with his aunt and another woman. And Jesus says to John, Behold, your mother. And to his mom, behold, your son. And as I mentioned, it was, it was not pleasant to speak. It was agonizing because you needed to breathe to speak. And he makes these sentences to make sure that his mother is provided for. <clears throat> and it was not a... And he says, Woman, behold... It was not a derogative term. It was more of a sir or a madam. It was not a... So to dissuade you from thinking that he was impolite. He was, he was honoring her and giving her a, a, place, a place after he died so that someone would take care of her. And verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture. Again, he says to fulfill the scripture. I thirst. A jar of sa- full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to mouth, his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. In John, we see very little of the interaction between God the Father and God the Son. We... Uh, compared to the other Gospels. And uh, all of the four different Gospels are true, and yet they're also saying different things. It's not to say that they're contradicting each other, but it's four different witnesses' accounts of generally the same state, same occurrences. They all gave their own witness to what the life of Jesus looked like and who he was. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, it's well and important to look at what all Scripture says, not just sola scriptura, only Scripture, but tota scriptura, all of Scripture combined. But uh, now in John's text, we see that what John has us, what solely John has for today, has an importance to us for itself. Jesus says that knowing that all things were now accomplished, the work that he came to do, it would all now be fulfilled. He would now yield his life and die, having finished the word, the work. And to borrow a little bit from Mark, do you think that Jesus could not, as he said, appeal to his Father, and he will at once send legions of angels to come and save me? Jesus says this in Mark as, it's, of course, I could but it would not, because that would take away from what his plan was to do. In our eyes, it would be maybe beneficial for Jesus not to die, but Jesus knew that he had to, so he suffered. Why did he not save himself? We have Jesus' own words on it. In John chapter 10 that we visited a few weeks back, No, I'll just summarize. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This this charge I received from my father. He asked for wine. He was thirsty. He wet his throat and lips, and he said his last. It is finished. The work that Jesus did stands as sure for us today as it stood finished at his own time. And that hyssop tree, this branch, should remind us, as it should have reminded the Jews around, that that was what they used to sprinkle the blood of the Lamb upon people for blessing, and that was what they painted the doors with. We have our, our blessing that we can look at scripture in total and see this, but it was for, for their judgment that they did not see this. And at some point in this heart, we see what has generally been termed to all. Well, Martin Luther once said the following quote, and people after has called it the great exchange. And this exchange happened sometime in here. And I will read a short section for you. Therefore, my dear brother, learn Christ and him crucified. Learn to pray to him, and despairing of yourself, say, Thou, Lord Jesus, art my righteousness, but I am thy sin. Thou hast taken upon thyself what is mine, and hast given to me what is thine. Thou hast taken upon thyself what thou wast not, and hast given to me what I was not. Beware of aspiring to, to such purity that you will not wish to be looked upon as a sinner or to be one. For Christ dwells only in sinners. On this account, he descended from heaven, where he dwelt among the righteous to dwell among sinners. Meditate on this love of his, and you will see his sweet consolation. For why was it necessary for him to die if we can obtain a good conscience by our works and afflictions? According, accordingly, you will find peace only in him, and only when you despair of yourselves and your own works. Besides, you will learn from him that just as he has received you, So he has made your sins his own and has made his righteousness yours. Christ bore the just punishment that sinners deserve and we received that which we do not deserve, mercy. The world today shouts for justice for that or justice for this. But what we truly want, what we truly need is not justice because justice has been given. What we truly need and what we truly will be satisfied in is mercy this is what the greatest changes sinners receiving mercy while our savior received justice and because of this great and glorious work of our great savior sinners receiving mercy because of the great and glorious work of the savior and the angels and the elves and the four living creatures the creation and all of redeemed sinners, as we saw in Revelation five a while back, will and are praising Jesus for his work, his work on the cross. And it says, Worthy is he, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor, and glory and might for ever and ever. The cross is then not a defeat of Christ it is the start of his exaltation it is not the fall of down the depth to darkness it is the stepping stone into glory let me repeat that it is not a fall down to the depths of darkness it is the stepping stone into glory so what the Romans viewed as their final defeat of him was but his next step in exaltation and glorification Jesus says in John 8, I honor my Father and you dishonor me, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, speaking of the Father, and he is the judge. Jesus on the cross took the punishment for sins, and at the cross, Jesus was both the priest giving it and the sacrifice being given. As 2 Corinthians five twenty one says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what the great exchange is. We, sinners, once received his glory and his righteousness, while he took upon himself uh, the just punishment for our sins. It is finished. To tell us die in Greek was the cry of the winner tell us it is finished it was not it was not that jesus lost by going to the cross jesus is glorified in giving his life as a sacrifice and in doing so fulfilling the work that he was called to do he fully paid the debt for sin and by so doing making peace between god and man and my final point jesus is glorified by his witness jesus is glorified by his witness since it was a day of the preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, reading from verse 31, the Jews asked Pilate that their, that their legs might be broken and that they might be, ta- might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then the other who had been crucified with them. Crucifixion as a sentence would take could take hours, but a way to hasten it was to they broke the legs of the, of the criminals because that hindered them from using their legs to put themselves up to breathe. But being that their, their bones were broken, they suffocated pretty quickly. But uh, and normally bodies would remain on the cross for days to show what happens if you defy the Romans. But uh, because of the Sabbath, it being a, the special Sabbath being a holy day, the Jews asked if they could take him down, and Pilate accepted it. And the shame of what the Jews did there is not that they were ashamed for what they'd done to Jesus, but they didn't want to be ceremonially unholy by having the cross being by being by having the the people hanging on the cross. So they were more concerned about their religious affairs than what they have just done. They did not see that they put the man there. They just wanted to get him down before the Sabbath started so that they could partake of Sabbath without being unholy. And Spurgeon once said that this is the height of religious hypocrisy. They, trying to be religious, murdered the one who came to redeem their religion verse 33 but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead they did not break his legs but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came a blood and water and he who saw it has borne witness his testimony is true for he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe here we have again one of the notes of this melodic line that you may believe for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look upon him that they have pierced. The spear to the side was not customary to confirm the death. It was always to break the bones to make sure that they are truly dead. But, and the Romans were commanded to do, go do it. But one of them instead injected the spear into Jesus' side. Why? Why? Um, we don't know, but it happened, and he did it unknowingly that he fulfilled scripture by doing so and the and this sort of gives us this autopsy of Jesus and again, I will not go into details, but some doctors say that when what a cause of death is the is the breaking the rupture of the heart, and then i don't know the medical procedures about it, but there's plasma or watery substance around the heart and when his heart was pierced it came out as watery this may be this plasma i'm not sure but it came out as water and blood to show that he was truly dead he was fully dead some say that he only looked as he was dead but he was truly and why does john record all of these details to us and he was seen, has testified, and his testimony is true. And all these things were done, so that scripture might be fulfilled. He says, "Zechariah, twelve, ten, says, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look upon me upon on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him." as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. And after this, Jesus died. And he, by dying, giving this spirit of grace and mercy. And they looked upon him whom they had pierced. And two people who did look upon him was his secret disciples, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and they, they asked Pilate if they could receive the body and bury him. They washed him, cleaned off the nails, the thorns, and the splinters from the cross, and bound his bodies in fine linen with a generous amount of spices. Uh, Nicodemus and Joseph, Joseph, was they were rich men, and they, being experts in the law, must have known that they were consciously taking part in fulfilling scripture when they embalmed him or when they they bound him in these linen clothes and as isaiah 53 says that the messiah would be buried with the rich josephus joseph sorry gave his own his own tomb to be used for the lord and they treated him himself themselves they did not use their servants they treated him by themselves and now the end, verse 41. Now in the place where the, he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. It has been said that the whole of the Bible can be summarized as the story of the gardens. The fall of the first Adam took place in a garden, and it was in the, a garden that the second Adam redeemed mankind from the consequences of Adam's transgression. The one, the, the one place where sin entered and the other, where the, con- where the sinless Lamb of God was placed only to be raised to new life in this garden. This is what we will look at the next Lord's Day, the raising of Jesus. But this had, all this had to take place to fulfill what God had planned. And because of it, we can say with Paul in 1 Corinthians, O oh death, where is your sting? O oh death. Where is your victory? This part of the hour of glory, as we see in the at the back here, we are now the hour of glory, verses chapter thirteen to twenty, and we are in the passion now. And in this hour of glory, Jesus says that my father, has, my hour has come, Father, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. We have looked at how Jesus is glorified in humiliation by human authorities, that he fulfilled the plan and he did not budge or plea. He said that he was in control over those human authorities. Jesus is glorified in giving his life as a sacrifice, and by doing so, we receive his righteousness as he paid for our sins. And third, Jesus is glorified by his witness. As John says, all of these things happen so that you may believe and to fulfill all of Scripture. And I hope that as you see Jesus' humiliation by his sacrifice, by his witness, that he said, all is finished. Types, promises, prophecies, perfect obedience, the satisfaction of God's justice so that we can receive mercy. The power of Satan, sin, and death is finished. As John three fourteen and 15 says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. This song, Worthy, says it all. What a joy it is to stand in Christ forgiven, righteousness and eternal life when salvation is given. All my sins paid for and I could, I could never repay you. But now my greatest delight is to trust you and obey you. And my hope is not a fantasy. It's built upon a reality that you will keep your promises according to your sovereignty. I will see your face and be safe under your reign when my faith turns to sight and only perfect love remains. The church exists according to the works of God's Son. So in the new creation, when we are gathered in his name, it will be obvious that He's the one that is worthy of all fame Because the worthiness of Jesus is the reason we belong. So worthy is the Lamb, will forever be our song. Beloved, let us rejoice in the great exchange, the glory that we see portrayed in Jesus' life as he was crucified. Amen.